If I gave a fuck what y'all think, y'all think I would be doing this? Welcome to the FMFU podcast. The podcast is from me for us. Vulgar but true, real and never fake. I'm your host Ayo Reese and I've got a lot of shit on my mind today so let's get into it. Happy Friday people and welcome to an all new exciting episode of the From Me For Us podcast. I hope you all have had a great week and are ready for the weekend as we are bringing the first summer month to a close. Yeah I know summer technically didn't start until June 21st. However, I personally look at the seasons differently. To me, I feel that the seasons are broken down into specific months instead of the official calendar dates. So in my head, I look at June, July, and August as the summer months, as September, October, November are the fall months, etc., etc. It's me making up my own rules, but, you know, to keep you comfortable, just treat it like Uno. You know niggas love to make up their own rules when it comes to Uno. You ever start a game of Uno and you have to confirm which way you're playing? Whether it's to continuously pick up a card until you get a card you can put down, or if person A puts down a draw two, followed by person B putting down a draw two, then person C has to draw four. Like, those two examples, which are ways to play that I hate, they're definitely not the correct way to play Uno. People even hit the official Uno Twitter page to ask, and the official page stated as well, but niggas said, fuck that, we ain't paying attention to that shit, and uh, we're going to still play it the way we want to. Uno isn't the only time a vast majority of niggas like to disregard things and make up their own rules because over the course of the past week or so, there's been this ongoing narrative about going out to eat and how to properly split the bill. The opinions have been slightly quote unquote split within itself because people have been on statuses going back and forth, keeping things very torn. You have one side saying that they only need to pay for what they ordered and another side saying that it should all be split evenly throughout the group. Well, I'm here to tell you, because I have all the knowledge in the world, let me break this shit down and say that if you're going to go out to eat in a group, then you all should split that motherfucking bill evenly, bitch. Now, let's break this shit down the right way and look at this like adults here. The topic kind of blew up because there was a status that said, I don't give a fuck if you ordered a salad and water. We're splitting that bill evenly. The shit was funny and relatable topic all at the same time because, you know, there was one thing I have always said, and that's, you know, if you want to go out to eat in a group but want to be cheap as fuck, then you need to stay your cheap, I only had salad and water head ass home, and just say you can't afford to go. There's many reasonings for this. One being that it's just way too complicated for everybody to be pulling out their iPhones and be trying to compute a algebraic formula for who pays for what meal and how to split the taxes and 10% of the gratuities, etc. Whatever else you can think of. Like, think about it like this. Nine times out of 10, if you're in a group of six to 10 people, gratuities will already be included. And in most cases, if it's a big group, they probably ordered, you know, appetizers for the table for everybody to enjoy as well. You know damn well your 
I only had a $20 cheeseburger because I looked at that the menu before I came ass going dabbling them appetizers a little bit. You're only going to pay for the equivalent of the three appetizer wings you ate? Or do you only pay one-fifth of the price of the appetizer mozzarella sticks? How about if you go to brunch and you had two hookahs at the table? Like, do you pay for it based on how many hits that you took of the hookah? Like, how will you be able to compute all of this properly, you know, so you can pay for only what you ate? Some people gripe so you know that, you know, oh, well, I don't want to be paying for other people to be eating good off my dime. Um, hello, dummy. No one will be eating off your cheap ass dime. And if everybody pays equal amounts, everyone will be able to eat a good meal with no worries. This is the perfect time to order some expensive shit, whether it's some steak, shrimp, lobster, whatever, because it's going to get split evenly and it shouldn't really fucking matter. And if you think about it like this and you're like, well, the food isn't what bothers me splitting, you know, I just don't want to be there and I'll order, you know, a couple things of wine. And then, you know, these niggas over here ordering, you know, $30 shots of Patron and shit. If that's what really bothers you, then, OK, you can technically make the alcohol a separate check. But who really needs to go through all that hassle? Just keep it together, split the bill and everybody eat and drink and have a good time. Like at minimum, depending on the restaurant, and yes, I do look at the menu ahead of time, so I kind of know a little bit on what I want to buy and how much money I need to bring. But depending on the restaurant, at minimum, especially if it's a group couples event, I bring a minimum $100 because nine times out of 10, that's going to cover me and mine's. You should want to pay evenly regardless because, I mean, if it's a big group outing, it's probably for a celebration, whether it's a birthday or a promotion or whatever the case is. And if it's something like that, then whether the person who got the promotion or whether it's the birthday boy or the birthday girl, they shouldn't be paying a dime of their money for their food anyway. Look at it like, you know, paying for an event to support your friends on their big day. Because if not, you try to penny pitch, that's going to leave somebody in a dime. Nigga, what? In a bind. And one or two people are going to end up having to pay more than, you know, the split up amount to have to cover that one Jackson you put on the table for your $20 cheeseburger. Yo, like, hey, that ass, like, these niggas online were really in their feelings and going hard about only paying for what they ordered. And, like, I'm a, I'm a black guy. I'm a nigga. Whatever you want to say. But, like, why do we always bring up, like, super radical situations to try to justify and prove our point? Like, motherfuckers was on here talking about, like, they was bringing up radical fucking situations, like, to make that shit work. Niggas on here talking about, what if my financial situation isn't the same? Like, I just had another kid, and I can't spend money to go out like that. Like, nigga, if your financial situation, quote-unquote, isn't right to be going out, just cash up your friend, like, 20 bucks and say, hey, man, put this towards a drink for me tonight. I can't really make it like that. You know, I don't got it like that. Like, do that at least to show your gratitude without embarrassing yourself. And then you need to find a way to get your money up. And ultimately, you shouldn't be worried about trying to get out or do anything. Stay your ass home. Like, what the hell are you thinking about going out to eat for if you can't really afford it? You better grab a loaf of bread and make some PB&Js. Like, I saw another cat. He probably belongs on the show My 600-Pound Life talking about, <laughs> well, what if I'm dieting? Nigga, yep. <laughs> Your big ass was just at a cookout last week tearing up four slabs of ribs. Nigga, you ain't dieting. But since that's your excuse for being cheap, you stay your ass home and eat a salad. I'm tired of the lack of couth, man. But on the flip side, I will say this, though. There might, and key word, might, 
there might be an exception to where you pay for your own meal or pay for what you ordered. The only exception to where you might actually pay for what you ordered, let's say it's a situation where it's no more than like two couples. And then let's say one couple, they don't drink alcohol at all. And the other couple, you know, they're buying hella Henny shots and shit like that. And it's just on a casual day out for some lunch. You know, you might split the bill in half and only pay for what you ate. But since that's not normally the case, and if you're with your real friends and y'all look out for each other, if y'all really down, one couple can pay for the whole meal. And then the next time the other couple can pay for the meal and then you guys just take turns. That's real boss shit, nigga. Get your etiquette up, idiot. The NBA awards were earlier this week, and as nice as it is that all these athletes were recognized for their accomplishments, nobody really cares at this point. Like, the regular season ended two months ago. Now, even though I don't care, I do like the idea of having an award show, especially since other players are recognized with awards for their charity, as well as the top awards like MVP and Rookie of the Year. Told y'all Siakam's going to win most improved player. But what they need to do is after that last regular season game ends, they need to give the players a week off similar to the All-Star break and have the award show during that time period. That way, when someone wins MVP, which is a regular season award, their name won't seem as sour when it comes time to present them award for their play, you know, when they got bounced out the semifinals or the conference finals or something like that. But even if the award show was in more of a relevant time frame that made sense to the regular season, the hot topic we're always ready for after the draft is free agency. Free agency hits this Sunday, and because the NBA knows drama and always gives us exactly what we want, they have decided to move up the official start time, not at midnight on Sunday going into to July 1st, but up to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, June 30th. That means West Coast niggas, y'all basically get the whole day to be dialed in for free agency news. And while we know all of the names of who are considered the big fish of free agency, everyone knows that with the injuries that occurred in the finals, that next season is going to be wide open. So lots of teams will be looking to be even more aggressive than ever. One team that hasn't been aggressive in chasing superstars the past couple years probably didn't feel like they needed to at the time and probably are surprised they need to be this time around is the Boston Celtics. You know, for years, I was always hearing things from different people, especially after moving up here in this area. You know, I'm hearing things like, you know, Danny Ainge is the fleece master, general manager of this millennium. Oh, he is the master GM and always gets the best of the trades. You never want to trade with these GMs in New England. Blah, 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 fucking blah. While the minor transactions may equal you a win in the battle, this nigga has clearly lost the overall war. Well, for starters, you know, as the season progressed and uh, pretty much was going to come to a close, everybody knew Kyrie was probably dipping out. And uh, as of recent, it looks like he is for sure heading to Brooklyn to join the Nets. Word to Nigel. Ironic enough, their one perennial superstar player is leaving them for the same team that Ainge essentially, quote unquote, fleeced all those years ago out of all those picks and assets he has in his treasure chest. <laughs> my, 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 how life always comes full circle. Speaking of those assets, I think part of the issue 
is that this nigga held onto his assets for too long, and then it was too late for him to make a trade to get any big superstar. I think Ainge just likes being able to say he has all the assets, and I think he just collects them like Pokemon cards. Never did he want to take a gamble on a superstar player. Like, the Celtics organization, they kind of remind me of, like, a reputable old-school Fortune 300 company. They'll hire you. You might benefit from its representation as a historical organization. And, you know, they'll give you benefits like a 401k. Like, they're okay with the small 401k and continuing to, you know, stack assets and a couple dividends here and there and continue being a team that makes the playoffs but never really breaks the ceiling and continues getting jumped over by teams that have at least one superstar like Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Toronto. And, hell, Depot may not be a superstar, but Indiana would even give them a run for their money. They aren't the type of team that will take a gamble and invest in cryptocurrency to eventually strike it rich. Toronto, on the other hand, they treated the Kawhi situation like Bitcoin back in 2003. They essentially gave up their star player who wanted to be in Toronto because they knew that even with their biggest roadblock leaving the conference, they still wouldn't be able to win anything in the finals. So instead of the 401k Boston approach, Toronto made a big gamble investment, and it paid off in something that is as priceless as anything in sports, a world championship. You win rings with taking chances and having superstars. Philly took the same approach, and if not for a couple Kawhi bounces on a game winner during Game 7, Philly might have been in the finals. Sorry, Aaron. While the Celtics falling on their face in the playoffs and a potential Kyrie departure was something I was trolling about, Kyrie leaving wasn't the thing that really took me aback. The thing that really took me aback was when it was announced that Al Horford was opting out of his player option of $31 million to become a fucking free agent. Wait, hold up. Horford? Opting out thinking he could secure a long-term deal worth at least $100 million? So when the news of this broke that he's supposed to be dipping out, like, I'll be real out of shock. Like, I would not have bet no money that he was leaving. You know, I thought Buddy would be like, you know what? I'm older. Let me go ahead and opt in, get this guaranteed $30 million, and call it a day. Like, he must have a handshake or a wink-wink agreement with the team who says they're willing to, you know, pay him a lot of money or something. The world will truly never know. But... I think him opting out also tells a lot more about how players in the NBA aren't trusting that leprechaun of an organization. I mean, they did just tell Aaron Baines to opt in and he wouldn't trade him. Then on draft night, they traded him to Phoenix for another draft pick asset. I think Al feels, you know, since he's older and he wants to compete and he knows that with Kyrie leaving, he wasn't trying to get jiggy with this start over shit. With the reports coming out as well that the coach was forcing Hayward back into the starting lineup, I doubt he wanted part of that either. And it just confirms my theory of Boston wanting another great white hope to represent their city just like they had Larry Bird back in the 80s. All trolling and jokes aside, I rag on the Celtics just to fuck with some of my friends. Where do you, Benyam? But in all seriousness, it really blows my mind how things have, um, you know, happened because I don't think I've ever seen a team that had such a bright future that was just immediately followed by a rebuild the next offseason and they were never able to touch any part of that future potential in the present. You can't win them all, Danny. 
The Breakfast Club used to be simulcasted on uh, Boston's radio station until the locals decided they wanted their own radio morning show, which is whack. So for the first time in a long time this week, I watched the Breakfast Club interview on YouTube. One thing I like about the Breakfast Club is that normally after the interviews, normally the person they interview with, I'll be honest, like nine times out of ten, I usually look at them in a better light. Like unless they're like super fucking ignorant, of course. So recently they had on Andre Iguodala and then. If you don't know who that is, is one of the guys who plays for the uh, Golden State Warriors, been in the league for a long time. He made an appearance and uh, he had a great interview and uh, he was making all these uh, promos and uh, appearances and stuff because he was um, promoting his new book that's coming out. And it's called um, The Sixth Man. So, of course, being, you know, a former finals MVP and also being on the Golden State Warriors for this run that's been going on, you know, Plenty of basketball questions are going to find a way to come up. And uh, also because they just lost it a couple weeks ago, too. You know, it brought up a lot of other questions as well. One thing that was brought up and one thing I thought was interesting because I was asking this shit for, I don't know, what's it been, five years almost, was like how he said that he felt that his old coach, Mark Jackson, he felt that he was being blackballed by the NBA. And what he said was apparently Mark Jackson I guess he used to preach like on Wednesday nights um, in the court or at the practice house or something on his laptop. And uh, somehow the word got out that Mark Jackson wasn't a fan of any gay lifestyles due to his religious views. And I guess the chairman or owner or whoever of the Warriors is gay. So, of course, because of that, he got him up out of there as a coach. But not even just that he got him out of there as a coach. He hasn't even had an interview with any of the team. So what Iguodala was saying was that the owners, they're going to always stick together and have each other's backs. So because of that, no other team has essentially given him a chance to coach in the NBA again. I tell you, what kind of threw me off about that was because I'm always on my say it loud, black and proud, and we need to make everything be black. But, you know, as much as I hate for a black coach to be out of a job, I totally am emphatic in understanding on not sticking by someone who would make you feel uncomfortable being who you are. Oppression is oppression. So like by sticking with not hiring them and uh, the owners sticking together in that stance, unfortunately, and I mean, it's still in a good way, but unfortunately, it seems that the NBA is doing what they always do. Like I always say the NBA is the black people's league. And I normally say this due to the fact that the commissioner seems to have plenty of, you know, understanding, open dialogue with the players and just trying to get a bigger scope of, you know, what people of color and people of oppression go through. And it seems like it's one of those things that he puts the message out that they're not going to tolerate any oppression or discriminatory actions or thoughts against any type of people. So, you know, as much as I hate to see a black man not have a coaching opportunity i can definitely see both sides of it and another thing that threw me off speaking of the nba doing their thing they recently changed the title of the nba owners to nba governors which i'm gonna be real owners it didn't bother me you're the nba you're the owner of the team you own the team i'm okay with that i'm i'm a player on the team you don't own me as a player i guess in a sense you can think that but i mean for me personally i i wouldn't take no type of offense to that but you know so as much as it's not really that big of a deal to me i think it's still just great to know that you know there's a league that's like 
taking this stuff and the sensitivity of it like very seriously so you know it's it's a good thing I, I fucking love it but you know going back into more basketball stuff outside of the politics Iguodala's on the breakfast club and um you know because of KD's injury you know of course that got brought up since a lot of people are making up these excuses and I'm not gonna say making up you know they're making the excuses of you know well Warriors lost because they were hurt which I said on no rules I don't want to hear it but of course that gets brought up all the time so um you know they bring up KD's injury and um Iguodala he discussed with the crew about injuries and you know athletes being put under the pressure to come back you know maybe quicker than they want and he gave an example about how last year when he missed three games against Houston during the conference finals you know everybody every day was always like you know when you coming back when you coming back now mind you dude admitted that he had a fractured leg and that it was being told to the media by the Warriors themselves that he only had a bone bruise so only hearing that it's a bone bruise media teammates anybody they're gonna think like oh nigga you can't come play with us in the bone bruise like nigga we down three two we trying to come back and go to the finals like you know fuck are you doing so you know this is something that you know when i watched it i, I didn't think it really caught the attention of you know most people but especially because it was on the breakfast club you know and then i think i saw like yesterday or something that espn were actually talking about it but i'm like well fuck it i gotta put my two pennies in because i thought this was interesting I just got to say that I don't think it's a coincidence that this shit with this bone fracture or and they're saying it a bone bruise. I don't think it's a fucking coincidence that this shit happened to Eagle Dollar in 2018. Then a year later, the same exact thing occurs with KD who plays for the same fucking team. I was telling everybody and even reiterated on my No Rules collab last week that the Warriors kept screaming, calf, calf, calf. But I just felt that they only said calf to maybe, I don't know, somewhat try to protect KD. But I think by doing this, they more so fueled the media and the fans, which then, you know, pressured KD to try to come help, you know, them come back from an impossible 3-1 deficit. Like, okay, so, I mean, you're telling me he had a calf injury. He goes out and ruptures his Achilles on the same exact leg. And y'all still going to say that he only had a calf injury. But I mean, I'm not a fucking doctor, but I mean, come on now. Like, what a smoke this fire. Like, you got these reports coming out every day that was just like different. Oh, maybe game two, maybe game three, maybe game four. Then finally out of nowhere, okay, we don't know. It's a game time decision. And okay, game five, we'll put you in. Like, you know, I don't care about Twitter doctors and the whole, you know, you know, oh, well, this is connected to that and this connected to this. You know, the foot bone's connected to the leg bone. Like, fuck that. Like, there's no fucking coincidence in this situation. Like, as much as we can say, you know, KD's a grown man. You know, he chose to play. Like, that may be factual, but these motherfuckers is human just like us. Some cats break under pressure a little more than others. Like, KD's not as good under pressure as, like, Kawhi when it comes out to blocking the outside noise. Like, KD be arguing with niggas on Twitter and shit. Like, look at the situation this way. Kawhi didn't listen to anybody when they, when he was hurt and was out and then played for the nine games for the year. You know, everybody was like, you know, well, the Spurs fan, I should say, they're like, oh, fuck him. You know, Spurs can do no wrong. They're such a classy organization. Like, you know, Tony Parker bitch ass talking about, you know, my injury was 100 times worse. Like, what teammate throws his teammate under the bus? Like, 
Kawhi ain't succumbed to that pressure. He felt he was misdiagnosed, took his time to get his body right. They wanted to trade him. He said he wanted out because he didn't trust him no more. Landed in a great situation to let him do what he needed to do to protect his career. And now look, only the third person in history of the NBA to be finals MVP for two teams preceded by only LeBron James and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. All because he didn't succumb to the pressure of the organization and the fans. Shit, look at fucking IT. This motherfucker went from averaging 28 a game about to have the Brinks truck backed up in Boston to vet minimums fucking barely signing with teams and barely playing and just signing on to fill fucking roster slots as a throwaway player. And why is that? Only because he played through an injury for them leprechauns and also played after his sister died. Like, what if he would have sat his ass down like he needed to? I know he wishes he would have. Shit, or I mean, if I was him, I know I wish I would have. You go from almost having a $100 million contract to making barely $2 million a year now if a team will sign you. That shit's just fucking crazy. I think what bothers me the most of all of this is that we can try to look at the good in people, but motherfuckers is shady, man. And as much as I hate spewing negativity in the world, I can't just absolve, you know, the Warriors like they didn't do shit wrong. I mean, the evidence just seems to be there. And it seems like this kind of confirmed what I was originally thinking and what I think almost everybody was kind of thinking at one point in time in a way. You got Bob Myers on the podium when KD got hurt with them crocodile tears thinking somebody's <laughs> supposed to build, feel bad and shit. Like, bro, you're just, like, you're just a corporation, bro. Yeah, you may be about winning, but winning equals one of two things. It equals entertainment, but the entertainment equals people paying money. And what's that going to do? Continue to make y'all money. So fuck out of here with that. But, you know, Iguodala always been a stand-up guy, veteran in the league. And it's kind of weird that, you know, he kept it a buck. I mean, it's cool that he did, but it's kind of weird because he's still on the team. And he's just like, you know, nigga, like, you know, they try to downplay my bone fracture by saying it was a bone bruise and put pressure on me last year. You know, but he's like, I'm not KD, so the pressure not going to be as, you know, as high stakes as if KD misses games and also it wasn't in the finals. But I just truly feel that the Warriors, they should be embarrassed as a staff, organization, and a crew. Not only in my eyes are you a lucky slash fraudulent dynasty, but you put the pressure on your best player to play and cause them long-term injury. Your tickets are priced out so no real fans can afford to go to your games. You had an investor who put his hands on an opposing player who crashed into the baseline because of his white billionaire privilege thinking it grants him whatever he wants. And you also have a security guard who it was confirmed had pushed Raptors GM Masai Ujiri after the finals because he didn't want to let him on the court even after he showed him his credentials. That said, cop then went on to lie and say the Masai hit him first, striking him in the jaw and that he received a concussion from it just to try to get some money. Disgusting. Hello. Because I don't say. Hello. Hello. Hey. I can't hear it. No, I can't hear it. Hello. Hello. I don't say me. I don't think say that, darling. You say something.
Thank you for listening to the FMFU podcast, the podcast that's from me and for us. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, like and comment, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or Google Play. Also, make sure you get at me on my social media pages. I have a Facebook page, which you can search for, search for from me for us. Or you can leave it in a status at FMFU underscore podcast. Also, get at me on Twitter and Instagram at the same at names. That's at FMFU underscore podcast. Remember, people, always keep it a buck, always keep it a thousand. And perception is everything. I hope you have a nice day. Still fuck y'all.